The Ringers Nora Princiati and Nathan Hubbard are on a journey breaking down every single Taylor Swift album. For all you Swifties out there, this is the podcast for you. From her most famous moments to her most obscure references, every single album, Taylor Swift has it all. Check it out on the Ringer Dish feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Jam Session. It's our year in review, pre-Christmas year in review. This will be our last podcast for the year. So we're going to talk about our year in culture. Amanda, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. We were doing just a little sort of like pre-podcast planning, but also like hype machine, like instead of warming up the crowd, like warming up each other, you know, and kind of talking about the way this would go, which I, I always really enjoy. And I, it's sort of an impressionistic year in review for us. Sure, yes. It's going to be off the top of our head, but also from the heart, as opposed to kind of like the rigorous list and spreadsheet, you know, year end content that you might expect from other podcasts or magazines, et cetera. I, frankly, I enjoy that. You know? Me too. Also, I'm going to air a grievance when we okay. get to the proper category. Wow. Okay. This is very exciting. I didn't even know grievances <laughs> are going to be a part of this, but I suppose it's jam session. So here we are. Amanda, I know you've got grievances. Feel free to of drop them I in wh- wherever you want. Yes. Um, yes. We have some categories. We did some superlatives that we're going to go through. But before that, I, I, I thought we'd each just give kind of like a top line. Here's what happened to me in pop culture 2021 individually. Yes. Um, would you like to go first or shall I? I think that you should, because you're really setting the tone for this exercise. Okay. And, uh, it, and it's a vivid snapshot. (laughs) I think it's like super COVID year two vibes, but that's cool. Um, this year in 2021, I became obsessed with Reba McIntyre and I caught the Beatles fever 
And I have just been going back in time, totally divorced from reality. I, yes, I binged. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it's binging. Like get back was intention intended to be an, an eight hour experience. So like an watching immersive it all in a row. Experience. Yeah. Watching it all in a row. is like, doesn't even count as a binge watch. I saw, I saw some article like refer to it as like, after you've binged it. And it's like, if you didn't binge it, you're doing it wrong. So there's no, there's no pejorativeness there, but yes, I watched get back and it changed my life. And now I'm obsessed with the Beatles. And I like just spend all my free time researching them and like learning about them. So are you primarily reading? Are you listening to the Beatles? Are you Googling? I've actually done no no reading. I don't want to, I don't want anyone else's interpretation other than Peter Jackson right now. And so I've been watching (laughs) a lot of clips (laughs) and listening to a lot of interviews to draw my own conclusions. And then perhaps I'll read some books, but I'm going to primary source documents right now. Okay. Are you, are you putting on Beatles music? 100%. Okay. What has jumped out to you? Like, the most recent, I mean, I know that you were familiar with Beatles music before this because you don't live under a rock. You are a student of pop culture, but like what's new and special to you in this context? Um, I think an appreciation for the different kinds of basses that one can play. Okay, sure. Even though Paul only had two and get back, they're the freaking Beatles (laughs) and Paul can only get two basses. Sure. So that also that John played the bass sometimes. I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I really feel myself gravitating towards George Harrison and trying to like understand him and like just really get to the heart of who this dude was. Um, I also like there's like all this stuff I skipped that I'm going back to. So like, for example, last night I had a long car ride and I listened to Paul McCartney and Mary McCartney on Table Manners with Jesse and Lenny Ware, our favorite podcast. And Boy, did I love it. It's a really, really good episode. It's very sweet because so Mary McCartney has taken on some of her mother, Linda McCartney's um, kind of vegetarianism act activism, I would say, uh-huh. for lack of a better word. They they were like very like pretty visible vegetarians like early on when everyone in the UK was like, what are you talking about? And so she has been sort of like the food person in, in their family and written cookbooks. And so she loves the podcast and she wants to be on it. And then she like brings her dad who is Paul McCartney living legend, but he is like very game and engaged, like both in proud dad mode, but also in in entertainer mode. It's really, really delightful. Also, I love bagels. It's like my favorite (laughs) food. And there's like, there's like 15 minutes devoted to like Paul McCartney's special bagel sandwich, how he slices them, what kind of bagels, London bagels versus New York bagels. I was like, I was just fucking loving it driving through Connecticut. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's really delightful. Um, so there's like a lot, a lot of that going on. Also a lot of like the Dick Cavett um, stuff. Like I went back and I watched George on Dick Cavett. I watched John and Yoko on Dick Cavett. Like just, I'm trying, like I said, I, I don't want anyone else's opinions right now. I'm forming my own. And so <laughs> therefore I'm going to the primary source documents and also listening to music. I will say also like, the main thing about the documentary is it changed how I listen to music. And as discussed on this podcast, I've always been obsessed with songwriting and pop music songwriting and found it so fascinating. And it actually just for me, it was like a personal intellectual exercise listening to the Max Martin table manners versus the Paul and Mary McCartney table manners is like really interesting and probably like detrimental to my lifelong passion of Max Martin's music. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's tough, but anyway, that's been like really fun because it's like, it's sort of like if you if you woke up and decided you were really into fantasy and like you learned that like there's both the Lord of the Rings right. and, yeah, it's, and it's Game rich, of Thrones. Sure. And it's like there's so much 
there's this this really extensive world to immerse yourself in. So that's like really exciting. Okay. I don't want to turn this into a Beatles podcast for like the Again. third week running. So <laughs> sorry. I just, it's like really exciting when your friend like really gets into stuff you're nerdy about. But like, so right now, are yeah. you identifying as a John person, a Paul person, a George person, a Ringo person? I'm definitely slanted because Paul's alive. And I will say knowing nothing about them or very, yeah. very little. When I first watched the doc, one of my first reactions was like, oh, Paul's alive. He gets a really good, good look in this. And he, he gets and, a and good like, edit. Although, yeah. I mean, at times it's a tough edit, but tough, but fair. Tough, um, but fair. I would say I'm a, I'm a Paul person, but I identify more with George. You're George curious right now. George curious. Also, I just feel like my personality is, is primarily, it's like primarily George Dasha Paul. That's interesting. I don't know whether I, I would have said you have a good amount of Paul in you. And, but I, I guess I can see a bit of a George. The thing about George is that he's secretly the coolest one. And so I like, I always sort of admired people who were very clear eyed from the beginning of being like, oh, I'm a George person. Um, <laughs> just he's like he is the most interesting of well I don't know if he's the most interesting but there's just like a lot of mystery around George that I find yeah. very appealing I find his accent to die for like I could listen to him speak for every moment of the day I love sure. love the way George Harrison spoke and incredibly talented and the, we just have to say that the the fashion from George in this incredible in back just like visionary truly I was introduced to the Beatles 11 years old. So I've just been like a Paul teeny bopper my entire life. And it's been like really obvious and uncomplicated. And I feel like that's the right decision for me, but I, I do respect people who can broaden their horizons when it comes to the Beatles. Don't get me wrong. I love Paul. He's like definitely in like the George Clooney, Bill Clinton canon of like, you know, very hot older guys. So <laughs> And like, well, I was listening. I mean, like, Amanda, I'm going so deep. I even listened to the Mark Marin podcast, which I do not like. And I listened to Peter Jackson on Marin because I wanted to hear Peter Jackson talk about um, editing the film. And um, he was mentioning that like so he heard someone say that it's like very confusing having to like have your mind sync up the access you have to 27 year old Paul while 79 year old Paul still alive. And like, it's like very confusing. And I'm like, I'm like loving that duality. I'm just like loving that, that tension. And this is, this is like such a incredible personal cultural moment for me. So I'm just having a great time. Well, we we're going to do some categories later. And one of them was like the best thing that you watched. And I had a couple nominees, but get back is like definitely among them. So we've justified spending this much time because it was like both your year in review and also one of my favorite things that I watched. So So two thumbs up. We'll get your, we'll get Amanda's get back takes when we get to the category. I also just want to note over the summer, I was doing a jigsaw puzzle and, um, put on Spotify's like women of country playlist. And I was like, wow, this is an awesome playlist. It introduced me to the song Fancy by Reba McIntyre, which I've since learned is like really famous and really popular. And I now love the music of Reba McIntyre. And an added bonus for me and for Jam Session listeners, Reba McIntyre's stepson is Brandon something. I don't remember his last name, who is currently getting divorced from Kelly Clarkson. And at the Kennedy Center Honors a few years ago, 
Kelly honored Reba by singing Fancy. They also sang it together on CMT Crossroads back in 2007. And it's like an iconic performance. I recommend you find it on YouTube because Kelly Clarkson is wearing the most outrageous 2007 outfit. And I have spent a lot of time wondering how Reba McIntyre is navigating this divorce. And she's she's made very few comments about it. I she think says that's that smart. She supports them both. She can't pick because Kelly says like Reba is like a grandmother to her kids. And I mean, not like she is. And uh, I also love Kelly Clarkson as discussed in previous years on jam session. And so this is just like another like really rich text for me. And like lucky for me, Reba is still alive and so many performances on YouTube, tons of music, did a reissued album this year. Like it's another very rich text. I also will say country music is incredibly fraught, especially Reba's era and the politics of it is, um, murky. And I would say like, I also find that to be somewhat interesting. Cause like, it's so, it's so popular and, um, yeah, my, <laughs> basically I'm catching up with like middle-aged America is how I spent the year. Well, I was going to say our year in review is both a capsule of our, our time spent and also the fact that we are turning into a new demographic, yeah. which is Old. things that aren't, well, that's one way of putting it older vintage <laughs> Classic <laughs> might be other words, things that are not, um, you know, being released in the five minutes from now, but that's okay. I also just want to say when you first said Reba McIntyre, it's very early here. So I heard Bonnie Raitt and was also like really excited. No disrespect to, to either Reba McIntyre or Bonnie Raitt, two individual women with two extraordinary careers. Yeah. Um, I, we listened to a lot of Bonnie Raitt in my house. So that's what, that's why I heard it. And I was excited. Love Bonnie but Raitt. Yeah. I think that this is a great you know, both of your selections are music, but they just have a lot of ground for research also, which is one of your favorite activities. You know, you're exactly. an archivist as well as a enthusiast. Thank you. Exactly. So, you're so welcome. Amanda, that was my year. I mm-hmm. also would say it's heavily populated by um, Call the Midwife, which okay. Paul McCartney referenced in, in uh, reference his own mother on Table Manners, which made me uh, also very delighted. So there you go. Amanda, it's your turn. Please sell okay, up my your year 2021. Inspired by Juliet's was REM and mystery novels. <laughs> so I guess I'm just like a sad... You're becoming my mother. <laughs> well, I was going to say I'm becoming a sad Gen X boy. I'm becoming, <laughs> becoming like the uncool version of Chris Ryan, but that's okay. Being the uncool version of Chris Ryan is okay with me. Still pretty um, cool. Do you have a personal connection to REM, the band? It's a band. No. If, if like, if you're listening to this and you don't know who REM is and you thought I was talking about like REM cycle sleep, which definitely is not happening for me right now. Um, well, I feel really old, but also check out REM. So REM was a band that was like huge in the early nineties. I would say they were like big in the eighties, but they were just massive, like 91, 92, 93, a rock band, but they're from Athens, Georgia. And so I, growing up in Atlanta, as a young child who like really didn't have exposure to anything cool, I was like, I was way behind, you know, my parents put me in like a lot of, you know, piano lessons and stuff and gave me like, you know, books that I was supposed to read, but they weren't really giving me pop culture stuff. But somehow I think because REM was a like, quote, local band, Athens is not that far from Atlanta. Like I had access to REM like really young for anything else that was happening contemporaneously. And so I feel great affection for their music. And I have spent a lot of time. It was definitely my Spotify rap number one was just mm. REM and me just like jamming out to like tonight swimming alone in my house, which 
is sounds sad when I say it like that, but I have to tell you, it was really beautiful. Um, <laughs> Michael Stipe's voice is very comforting to me. And I really, it was a nice, nostalgic, lovely place to be calming. I wasn't confronting the future and all the scary things outside. I was just like in my nice little cocoon. And yeah, then I did the thing that I do every year, which is at some point like in November, but I guess really February this year, I declared reading bankruptcy. And I was like, I'm not reading any more great fiction. I'm only reading mystery novels. So I discovered Elizabeth George. Shout out to Juliet's mom. Let me tell you also, I went to the bookstore per your mother's request. And I was like, I'm going to read the Inspector Lindley books in order because Elizabeth George has sort of like a, um, you know, all of the mystery novelists that they develop a detective and then they just really milk it. Agatha Christie, Louise Penny. I'm sure all the boys have them too, but I don't read the boy detective novels. Anyway, they did not have like the first eight detective Lindley novels in store. So I'm going to have to search, search for those. The Richard Osmond books. Um, I read the Louise Penny Hillary Clinton novel. Just wanted to report back on that (laughs) and say it was more of a John Grisham situation, but I honestly had a delightful time. Uh, It was, it, it was plot focused as opposed to character focused, I would say. Okay. Okay. Um, And also Hillary's like definitely just wrote a stand in character for herself and is working out a lot of issues about Benghazi and Donald Trump. So, Oh God. I, I mean, sounds horrible. But but it wasn't upsetting in that way. It was, I was just sort of amused that this was happening. I was like, this is better than being in, you know, someone's really invasive uh, therapy sessions. Also better that she does this in fiction rather than running again. All respect to Hillary Clinton. So, and then I discovered a new author, not new, new to me, Kara Black. She wrote sort of a, um, this was more of like a World War II spy novel. It was sort of like Alan first, but with a, um, a woman detective. And now she has a detective series in Paris that I've just started. Oh, great. So I don't know. I don't know what that vibe that I'm communicating is with REM and detective novels, just total escapism, just not looking at the news. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm right there with you. Like, I I think we both went back in time. Sure. Um, And yeah. There's not a there's not a lot to love out there right now. And you know, it's funny that you swore off other books and just went for mysteries because I I think this is like one of my worst reading years in recent memory. Like Mine too. I had a really hard time like really focusing. And then I would, you know, it hit a good stride here and there. But I read so many romance novels. Like I'm just like deep in the Emily Henry hive. Like get at me, Beach Read and the people we meet on vacation readers. Like, you know, that's sort of where I went when I was like, I can't, I can't deal. So I do think a lot of like what we gravitated towards and also like culture gravitated towards, at least in our neck of the woods is nostalgic or at least re- like retro for lack of a better term, because it's, it's escapism, like you said. And I, I, I do find that to be a theme among people I've talked to like over, you know, the last couple of weeks in terms of like what their year was like and, right. and whatnot. So, and a little bit just detaching from the constant, like content machine and discourse and which, which there is a lot of, and you know, we participated in it. Like we have a lot of thoughts about Adele. We have a lot of thoughts about succession. We have a lot. I don't remember what happened before June at this point, but I know we had a lot of thoughts about what happened before June, but it doesn't feel like a break, you know, it's like a constantly churning thing. And, and so I, in talking to other people as well have noticed 
Well, when you read like a, here's the best thing that I saw or watched or consumed in 2021, it's so fragmented Diffuse. at this point. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, which is not a bad thing. And, and it's like cool actually that everyone can just go find their thing. Um, but we are, I guess we all just were sort of, you know, on our own trying to find our things in a, in a very destabilizing year. Just a lot of ups and downs. I'd say yeah. we're currently on, on a down, but yeah, nevertheless, we persist like Elizabeth Warren. Oh um, <laughs> oh let's move on to our categories. We're going to do some favorites. Um, it'll be slightly meandering and also some clear um, agreement in a couple of cases, beginning with our favorite celebrity story of the year. Is there anything to mention? But. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez getting back yeah. together. In I was April. like, is there, are there runners up? I can't even no. think about it. Nothing else comes close. Yeah. Literally nothing. I mean, I don't know if it would say my favorite, but like the other like sensational story of the year for me is Adele and Rich Paul, like still wrapping my head around it. But Benifer 1.0 version two is incredible. And it just is a story that I think is like increasingly positive. It took, it took a, another turn this past week. Ben Affleck has been on the, press tour for tender bar his movie um that's on amazon which i learned from him explaining the amazon business model to bill simmons <laughs> on the bill simmons podcast and he was on howard stern where he was talking about his marriage to jennifer garner and there were some his words were um lifted out of that conversation and um, removed from the context and kind of went went crazy and then he was very frustrated understandably so and i listened to the bill simmons podcast with ben affleck he really explains why that bothered him and i also have to say ben affleck is a fucking king what an incredible 90 minutes with our boss bill i loved it it's a must listen of course we would say that on basically every front but it it is really fascinating and i thought the way that he and bill really investigated the whole howard stern click like clickbait brouhaha um, was really interesting and really accurate. I think Ben Affleck is like one of our great media critics from the inside. He really understands what's going on. Uh, and that whole thing, by the way, I was, I was very disappointed in people who I thought were responsible gossip consumers. Like we should all know better. You need to know better than reading the tweet headline from a people magazine piece. Like all, all of you people who I thought knew better disappointed me. And it was a real bummer. And part, I think, because I I do admire the way that Ben Affleck has been in public talking about his recovery and some of these issues that he's been struggling with. And he'll be the first to tell you, like, you know, I, I'm, it's not my number one choice to be out here being like, let me explain alcoholism and, you know, divorce and all of these things to all of you, but I'm in this position. And so he's very thoughtful about it and I do admire it. And that, you know, that's why we can't have nice things when people just make a mess of it. But I thought the explanation on Bill's podcast was great. I even listened to 25 minutes of them talking about Tom Brady, a person I don't really care about anymore. Ben Affleck said Tom so many times. He really did. He loves Tom Brady. And I thought that was endearing. And I just, this thing every year where Ben Affleck is in the awards conversation and does a certain amount of press campaigning, like December, January, and then doesn't get nominated and like moves on with his life. But you get like two months of engaged Ben Affleck. 
It's really working for me. I don't know whether it's working for him. He probably wants an Oscar at this point. I want an Oscar for him as well. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, though he is delightful in that movie. He's the only good part of that movie, in my opinion. I'll be watching it now that I know it's on Amazon. Great. I think it's like very watchable and he is just wonderful in it. But I am so glad to have him back. I'm so glad to have him and J-Lo back together. I know. They look great on red carpets. I I feel bad that we have to take away red carpets again for a bit so they can't be as glamorous as I want them to be. That the, the Venice red carpet moment was a real highlight for it me. It was huge. Yeah. I uh as far as Ben and, and Jen paparazzi photos go, I think my favorites were from like their one of their initial weekends in Miami when she's wearing that like flowy dress and he's like smoking on the balcony. Right. And- where it's just very clear what had happened like 15 to 20 minutes before. Yeah. And they also were yes. like, thought, they thought they had like beat it this time. And then they yes. very quickly learned they had it and they've been no. super managing it ever since. And I, yes, I respect it. Ben said a few things that I really loved when talking to Bell. First of all, this kind of goes along with the get back theme, which is I am coming to realize that our best and smartest celebrities actually consume everything about them, even if they say otherwise. Ben was incredibly aware of his Us Weekly coverage from 2001. Ben made reference to the photos of him being driven to rehab by Jennifer Garner, where he's eating Jack in the box. He right. was like, yeah. listen, I just like Dunkin' Donuts and Jack in the box. Right. I also love Dunkin' Donuts and Jack in the box. Two tacos for 99 cents is my go-to drive through meal in the state of California. Um, they also have really good uh, milkshakes. Um, and I just like really loved his attitude and tone about that. It was like playful. And I was like, job Ben Affleck like you're it also didn't seem like he was trying hard at that moment it seemed like he had sincerely worked through some of that stuff um and then he also just won't mention Dunkin Donuts by name because he's like I'm gonna wait until they pay me but it is true that there is a certain franchise whose coffee I just really like and that's where I am it's like god bless you Ben Affleck I loved it I absolutely loved it it was very funny it was very he was joking but he was in on the joke yeah and then he did say Dunkin' Donuts one time later in yes. the podcast. And I was like, yes. no, hold out. They should have bleeped it. Um, and then, you know, he spends like really the last like 20 minutes talking about his his kids and very quick answer of why he's not directing. It's because he wants to be around for his kids. And I just thought it was really sweet to hear the lack of complication in, in, in his decision to be present for them. Like, you can tell, you know, you and I have read so many Ben Affleck interviews and like he prevaricates through a lot of it and there's so much hedging and like, you know, conflicting impulses. But in his conversation with Bill, which I really did think seemed genuine because it was like, you know, an an hour plus into it and they had been talking about sports, which I think is sort of like a good tone setting mm-hmm. to tone setter before like going into other stuff. Yes. It just sounded so uncomplicated. Like he's so excited to have his, his older daughter involved in like, you know, vetting his scripts and he wants to be around for his son. And, you know, he wants his middle child to not be put on the spotlight in school. And like, I just thought it was like really sincere. And it's like, so it's so rare to really get sincere sincerity from celebrities and shout out to Bill Simmons for, for, for pulling that out. Even after a tough week for Ben Affleck. I agree. And I think it is, uh, it's hard earned at this point for Ben Affleck. Not everybody gets to this point and still wants to be talking um, at that level. And he even says it in the interview, you know, Bill comments on how every couple of years 
he takes a step back from press and then he shows up at Ben Affleck is just like, well, I really like talking to people. You know, I like, I yeah. do want to talk about things and you can hear that even as he is very aware of the machinery around him, as you pointed out. But yeah, I, it's just, it's a great celebrity moment. I'm really enjoying it and I'm rooting for him and JLo. And I, I do also, I think I like this phase you know, the initial they're back together, exhilarating, right? And then like, please don't forget A-Rod posting on Instagram, like, you know, the like Coldplay shrine, just tremendous stuff. And then this summer I was like, oh no, are, are we getting a little overexposed? Which is like not my concern, but concern for them because Ben Affleck will be the first to tell you that that's part of what happened the first time around. And, you know, and there's like a lot of the Jenny from the block video, you know, Mediterranean, what have you. But now they seem in a more measured place. And I like the I like the content that we're getting. And I'm pleased. I'm happy for them. <laughs> it's great content. Um I uh I feel the same way. Shout out to them. And the other celebrity stories that like we're forgetting that we were really into. Well, that one was like mostly uncomplicated, right? That was just like fun. Yeah. And and I think we are gravitating in this year in review to escapism and things that didn't make us feel bad. Like one huge story. Let us not forget that the Harry and Meghan Oprah interview was oh, in yeah. 2021. Oh yeah. Which crazy. That was a massive story. And that was the first half of the year. And I don't, you know, it, it was a very compelling interview and certainly made a lot of noise and news and we discussed a lot. It was like sad and difficult at times. So I don't think we thought that was like the most fun thing that happened this year. No, but that was, that was a big deal. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned like the best paparazzi, the photo of this year, which is obviously Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, um, post after, postcoital. Yeah. I, after the afternoon delight. Yes. Um, but I was like trying to think of others and this wasn't really a paparazzi photo and this kind of got spoiled in the end by Aaron Rodgers's um, podcast uh, appearances. Appearance, yeah. But the whole, and the whole Aaron Rodgers, Shailene Woodley, Miles Teller, fourth person who I can't remember. Kelly, Kelly Taylor. Like Hawaii, Teller. Rumspringa, like taking over the hotel band, the getting in a fight at monkey fish or monkey paw kitchen or whatever it's called in Hawaii. That was an extraordinary series of events. I, I completely agree. Completely. And it definitely led to miles Teller being in the, um, Taylor Swift video. Sure. Um, it, a friend pointed out to me that this technically aren't paparazzi photos because they volunteered most of that information, <laughs> which is like also an extraordinary point. I don't know what to say about any of them now. Now, Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers are in a quote, non-traditional relationship, according to the tabloids, which to me is code for non-traditional as in not uh, active. Mm. But I, you know, and I just, I don't endorse anything that he said on, you know, his weird COVID denier tour. Sure. But that was a, that was a funny moment that happened this year. So crazy. So much happened. I like, can't, I can't even remember. There was also, what's there? There was a lot of the Erica Jane reality stuff mm. that I know took up a lot of your time, but that was pretty dark too, right? Yeah, super dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, Housewives has descended into legal drama, and that's like all that keeps these shows going, basically. It's like, okay. it's kind of weird. Salt Lake City is also very entertaining, but it's like also engulfed in, in uh, 
legal chatter and like legal okay. storyline. So yeah, I was just reviewing our, um, our jam session headlines from like the last year. And like, uh-huh. there's so much Ben Affleck. It's hilarious. So on well, that note, let's go on to our next. That's we, we, we gave you. the correct answer. We gave the honest answer and yeah. I've really been enjoying it. This episode is brought to you by eBay authenticity guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Next, favorite thing you watched this year? Anything. Video, YouTube video, streaming special, movie. You watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV. Yeah. So I, obviously, I already mentioned Get Back, which I, I can't recommend enough. We won't, we don't Nora. have to talk about it anymore. But I did, I put it at number two on my, my best movies of the year list. I'm counting it as a movie. I don't, I agree. Do, I don't accept arguments to the contrary. The first movie on my list is a movie called The Worst Person in the World, which is a Norwegian sort of like coming of age romantic drama story that I don't think, unfortunately, is going to be widely available in the U.S. until... 2022, but like early 2022. And it's in the awards conversation. So put a pin in that. It was really wonderful. And I think Jam Session listeners would really enjoy it. It's about a young woman. It's sort of Norwegian Francis Ha is kind of how I would describe it to you. And I Why is this the first I'm hearing of it, Amanda? Slash, I I missed the big picture episode on it. I'm sorry. I mean, it's okay. It was like, the you know, we did like the best movies of 2021. And it's so frustrating because no one can see most of the movies yet because they just don't show people movies. This is my number one thing. It's so frustrating. Let people see your movies. 
And I feel ben that Affleck way about- agrees. He's all yes. in on streaming. And I feel that way about Worst Person in the World, but it's going to be coming out hopefully February, I think, and seek it out. And then, you know, I just want to defend House of Gucci. Hmm. I, like, not even defend it, because I think there are people out there who understood how fun it was going to be. But I think it came out, and then mostly critics saw it, and were kind of like, this is not, you know, like a great... <sighs> I don't know. I Like, sometimes I don't like movie critics. It was delightful. I had a great time. If you want to see Lady Gaga and Adam Driver swanning around like the Italian Alps in cashmere bathrobes, just watch House of Gucci. I I was delighted by it. So those are my three movies. And then I really, I finally watched all of Call My Agent. Mm. Loved it. Good. Yeah, it's very good. good. It's fun. It's fun. I I don't have the brain capacity to pay attention to all the subtitles. So I have to like watch it in fits and starts. Okay. Uh, But it is, it's very fun. I watched two seasons so far. Um, my list is quite different. I, but however I agree on get back, get back. My, my two best other than like listening, like going on my personal journeys with the Beatles and Rita McIntyre, the two best pop culture experiences I had in 2021 were watching get back. And then like, you know, learning about the Beatles. That's probably, I, I guess it's like tied for one, but the other one, and this is where my grievance comes into play was Mayor of Easttown. And the way that you just like, movie critics. I just like TV critics. So I'm just like, why is mayor of Easttown being overlooked on all of these year end lists? Like mayor was a fucking phenomenon. Kate Winslet was like, Hey, I'm back. Everyone clear out. I for Kate Winslet as mayor doing a Delco accent. Like there was so much Reddit conversation. All of our colleagues were like, who did it and discussed it. Did the finale disappoint a little bit? Sure. Fine. I don't know. Like everyone hates every finale now. So I I don't really know what to tell you. Like find me a finale that everyone's like, yes, they nailed it. But it was such a thrilling watch with such good acting and a reminder of the power of weekly television and the case against against Netflix, basically. And like it was a fucking grand slam. It wasn't even a home run. And I can't understand why it's being like just eliminated from the narrative. It was excellent. I don't know if it's being eliminated from the narrative. Amanda, I looked at a lot of lists. Many, many critics did not include it. Chris and Andy did, though. Thank you to them. Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to ignore the lists, Julia. You got to ignore people that you don't agree with. I mean, I usually do. In the culture context, at least. I'm outraged. I don't know whether that's a recipe for life or not. Get back to me. But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I didn't even mind the finale. I, I liked it too. I just, I'm so confused. The other thing I really fucking loved, I fucking loved WandaVision. I, I, I just like meta television. I didn't like when it became a Marvel movie at the end, but like the first like five episodes, I was like, this is literally genius. And Elizabeth Olsen is incredibly talented. I was just like, this is fantastic. They had the great jingle from the, from the duo behind frozen. Mm -hmm. Um, and with the Catherine I just, character. I, mm-hmm, like I knew what you were talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about because I only watched three episodes. I thought it was well done. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to do this. And so yeah. that felt very freeing after seeing every Marvel movie for the last 10 years, which I actually have. Can you believe it? That's I've not true, none. actually. I didn't see Doctor Strange. Did you know that Rachel McAdams is in Doctor Strange? I had no idea. I didn't I- either until I had to sit through like the end credits for a different movie this week. But that's not a spoiler. She was in the original Doctor Strange movie. Are you referring to Spider-Man 3? I saw it. Well, uh, it's 
Spider-Man 3 is like technically a Tobey Maguire movie. So right. I'm referring to the newest Spider-Man. Yes. Which right. is the third in the Tom Holland. You know, I like superheroes at the turn of the century. Like I too post 9-11 like needed some kind of savior, but it's just gotten so out of control. Anyway, this is another, this is another podcast. Well, I mean, this maybe ties into some of your like TV critic frustration or anything and, and, and to our vibe, which is at some point, I don't want to be doing this much homework when I'm watching stuff or, you know, having time off and we do the homework for work. And I think it's good to do. I am a homework queen in my professional life, or I try to be, I try to show up prepared. I try to know the context. I think it's really important, but then like six, seven o'clock rolls around my time's off. And do I really want to watch 14 hours of something else and read three books before I can understand a movie or a TV show? I have to be honest with you. I don't want to. I just want to watch the thing and move on with my life. One of the reasons I liked WandaVision was because there was a lot to appreciate in the TV show. And I was like in the filmmaking and the TV making, even without having the context. Like I didn't know about the blip. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, like, there, like there was like some scene in a hospital, people disappeared or something. I was just like, this, Oh, the snap. I kind of know what that is. Yeah. It's but from it's, an Avengers movie. I don't know. I still don't really know, but shout out to Daniel Chin, our colleague who wrote really useful recaps that filled in the blanks for me, but it didn't get in the way because I like love TV as a medium as a format. And it was like a meta commentary on television. And that was awesome. There should be more of that. So, and more Elizabeth Holmes, more Elizabeth Olsen in my life, not more Elizabeth Holmes. Either right. one. I just want to be able to play that clip that you just played anytime I have to go interact <laughs> with any of the rest of our coworkers, <laughs> which like, and, and I'm usually the, you in this situation being like, Oh yeah. And there was like a robot. He had a thing in his forehead, like whatever, you know, it was very sad and they make fun of me, but I at least know what happened in Avengers Endgame, which is like really embarrassing. And I'm, I'm pleased that you're just out here being like, I don't know. I don't care. It's how I want to be all of the time. <laughs> I just have Great. other interests, you know, that's, Same. that's the Bring thing. We all, Let's go. we all have different interests. And, and again, like to go back to the, the TV list, it's the, there can be sort of like a group think in these, in these like little worlds, people get together, they get excited about something and then they all got to like fight. And maybe I just want to watch a TV show and enjoy it. You know? Agreed. Let's okay. move on. Okay. Favorite profile of the year. Do you have one? Yeah. So I obviously am going with Kidney Lady. No, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So which is like <laughs> Bad Art Friend. Yeah. Yeah. Bad Art Friend, <laughs> which is like the profile of, I don't even remember their names, which is probably for the best because I hear that the, the kidney donator is still really just writing people demanding for oh, corrections. No. I'm not going to give any corrections. That was a great piece of journalism by Bob Colker in the New York times magazine. And I, that was just the most exhilaration that I felt in reading, um, intimate details about two people who I don't know, which <laughs> is one way to define a celebrity profile. So thank you to bad art friend. Totally. Totally. It was a really, really good one. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think if I have one, I don't know that I do. I mean, bad art friend was like, honestly incredible. And I will say I came up with this category, so I should, I should do mm -hmm. better. Um, okay. This is a really lame, lame thing to say. However, I was just catching up with my favorite periodical, the London Review of Books, and I mm -hmm. read Julian Barnes write like a long thing about Flaubert. Okay. And it's it was like peak Juliet. It was like incredible novelist shit because Julian Barnes wrote a book called Flaubert's Parrot that or Flaubert's something about Flaubert's Parrot. I forget the name of it. That 
won the man booker and like became like a big hit. And like, he's just been like obsessed with Flaubert and like in it, he reveals his own, um, like classic novelist insecurity about like, do I know the most? Am I being the novelist the best? Like all this stuff. It's class. It's like classic novelist shit, but I also learned a lot about Flaubert and like mm-hmm. other novelists. And I, I really recommend it. I believe it's for free on the London review of books. Uh, okay. Website. So, Anyway, so I picked Bad Art Friend and you picked a London Review Books profile of Flaubert. Well, well, no, I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> I just like I want every I want, you know, I wanted to like add the the like the summary in bold, you know, at the end. That's that's tremendous stuff. You know, I think this is like the weirdest reading year I've had in a really, really long time. Like I again, like I, I feel like I'm best equipped to talk to you about chiclet and rom coms right now. Mm-hmm. And also the London Review of Books. So no, it's been a w- I, I feel the same way. Are we going to do books now? Because I like. Sure. What's the best am... thing you read this year? Well, I the also... favorite thing you read this year. Well, it was probably Bad Art Friend. But I too I agree. had sort I agree. of like that a... was like uh, that was elite, iconic. Well, always like I, I incredible. And I had a, a challenging reading year. I feel like my brain just fell out for a while, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It was a weird year, and so. Every, you know, I feel like a few times a year I do try to read um, like current fiction and literary fiction and challenge myself. And it is really exhilarating when you have, say, a Hamnet, which was absolutely my favorite book that I read last year. And you're just like, oh, my God, the power of literature. And I wasn't pushing myself as much as I could in that department. So I take ownership for it. But I also I never I didn't really have that. But I didn't have that breakthrough moment that you really can have where something is so exhilarating. And that feeling of exhilaration, I like pretty much just reserved for Bad Art Friend. I think the best novel I read, and I've talked about it before, is Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. Mm. Um, and that was a very satisfying, just like novel. Yeah. Uh, there are like several characters and it's like spanning a hundred years, I would say, and kind of going between two timelines, but the things do feel lived in and it's not too overwhelming to, to follow. It, it was immersive in the way. And I think Maggie Shipstead's very talented. So that's probably like the quote best thing I read. And I would recommend it to people. Uh, a friend of mine was asking for a reading recommendation and she was like, and this, I feel like this is all I, her request was like, I've read the secret history. What else can I read? Which is like pretty much that's the only thing I ever want to read, which is like, I've read the secret history. Now, what should I read? And I don't think great circle is the secret history. It's not even like, there's not really a mystery aspect to it, but just in the kind of the world building and that you can sink into the book and you kind of look forward to it. That's probably the the best thing I read this year. Well, I had the joy of reading Hamnet in 2021. So it's definitely the best book that I read this year. Okay. Um, I would say like the most fun book that I read this year. And I think you're going to agree is probably mm-hmm. the plot, which we both read over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. The, the plot was like really, really fun. Um, I definitely recommend that. But again, bad art friend became real life plot. Yes. And also I think the plot has some secret history vibes. Um, plot was also like the mayor of East town of like everyone I know who read it, wanted to talk about it. And like, yeah. when did you, when did you know? So I thought that was fun. That also would be a great HBO Max miniseries. So I hope that someone makes it. I'm sure it's been optioned. I think it has. Okay, great. Um, I'm trying to think if I really... And then, you know, Andrew O'Hagan um, reviewed Meghan Markle's uh, children's book, The Bench. 
And (laughs) also in the London Review books. I recommend it. Yeah. (laughs) It was not kind, but it was very entertaining. Andrew O'Hagan's an all-time hater. Um, If you can tell, all I read is like stuff for Jam Session, Chicklet, and the LRB. So anyway. Um, Favorite thing you listen to? Song, podcast, radio show, anything? I mean, this is the one I'm kind of stumped on because I listen to like a lot of REM as noted sure. as noted and table manners. And I listened to a lot of The Watch, which is a ringer nice. podcast about shows that I don't watch often. Like I just listened to an entire season of them talking about Top Chef. Never seen an episode of Top Chef. Not one in my life. Top Chef is awesome. I think you'd like it. I think I would too, though. You know, I like tend more towards the home cooking Mm-hmm. content than the restaurant content just in general anyway maybe what's your favorite and then i'll try to think of something uh on the topic of the secret history i've been listening to the pod once upon a time at bennington college bennington college yeah it, it's been pretty interesting i've been enjoying that um nothing wrong with mentioning table banners for like the millionth time that, sure but it's just the best i absolutely love it the elizabeth olsen episode remains my favorite but there, i mean paul mccartney is now and paul and mary mccartney are now up there um, there's just been like a lot of delightful ones in general. I, uh, I can never recommend that enough. Um, mm-hmm. and honestly, like Bill Simmons has some really great interviews. I just love the he Bill does. Simmons podcast. I think Bill and Wesley talking about Kate Winslet was also really just like a highlight for me this year. That was yes. awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think those are a lot of my faves. Did you listen to the just enough family? Do you know about no. this podcast? So it's Ariel no. Levy, who is a oh. um, yeah. New Yorker writer, New Yorker writer, wrote for New York Magazine for a long time. And it's a podcast about a friend of hers who is part of like a really rich family, the the Steinbergs in New York. And they had like a tremendous amount of money in the 80s. Cool. And then they have less money over time. And she just interviews this entire family about kind of what it was like to be very rich and then what, how their family operated and then what happened to like have it all like fall apart, which fall apart is a relative term. They're all doing totally fine. Um, but this is a family with a lot of interpersonal and financial drama and sort of like ridiculous succession, like wealth that is extremely candid. And I can't believe that they're all talking to her. And so it's really just, in terms of gossip and in terms of people just sort of very openly, if unexaminedly talk, like sharing all of their feelings and weirdest motivations, it was pretty fascinating. I was just like, I can't believe that you are saying this on the record. Like you understand that there's a microphone right in front of you, but (laughs) it sounds good. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's very simple. There's not a lot of production. Um, and not a ton of context around it. It's really just all of these people talking and like succession. I don't think you're necessarily supposed to root for all of them. You know, you may listen to all this and be like, wow, these people are wacky, but I think there is enough empathy in it that it's just, it's amazing what people will say, you know? And I know that we like, this is a podcast about people saying wild stuff and and then us surmising about other aspects of their interior life but it was pretty fascinating just in terms of what these people all thought of each other how their memories collide just the total illusions that they make up pretty interesting okay 
Cool. Also, cool, each cool. episode's like 25 to 30 minutes. So great length. Love it. Yeah. All right. Last category. Yeah. Favorite thing you bought this year could literally be anything. Okay. I was thinking about this for a while. You talked me through some, you know, I did buy like a, a nice sconce that I'm very proud of. And I've sent Juliet many photos of. So I like that sconce a lot. Um, a, another thing I learned is that it takes a lot of work, uh, electrician, electricity wise to install a sconce. So I'm grateful for that electrician's time, which, and, and services. Uh, but I think the main thing is everything else that that electrician installed so that I could have like a true Christmas light bonanza in this home. And, <laughs> and, and also I can have lights all year round, right? Because once the Christmas tree is gone, we can put lamps in places that formerly we couldn't do that. So the gift of light via, um, an electrician's, uh, handiwork, which is so very you're celebrating difficult. Hanukkah every day of the exactly. year. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a good message. Absolutely incredible. Um, for me, it's all about outerwear. I got some really great outerwear this year. And most recently I got this Pendleton coat. I've always wanted a Pendleton coat. I've always wanted to be a, a sharp dressing British person. I've always sure. just wanted to like look like I fit in going to work at like my posh office in Soho, like near Sable Row, where Apple Corps is. Sure. Um, yeah. Everyone think, on the street in that get back session looks amazing. Also, I love the doorman. I would yeah. totally love to be the doorman, Jimmy. Um, anyway, I got this green sort of like herring. No, it's like a green plaid. I don't even know. It's like calf length. I got it on sales, like 30% off. It's from Pendleton. It's a wool coat. And like, I just feel like it's a letting me be like the person that I see on the subway who I think looks really cool. Yeah. And I just feel like I get to like be that person when I wear this coat and I love it. And I, I recommend that everyone buy something that allows them to feel like the cool person, that, the cool stranger they see from afar and they wonder what they're about. And then like, you can decide what they're about. Cause it's you. Yeah. So thank you to Pendleton for having a sale. And, um, I love wool coats. I have really enjoyed following Juliet's outerwear journey from afar <laughs> and getting regular updates. I'm not being, I'm being totally serious. The, last week I was just randomly like, Hey, whatever happened with, you know, this coat that you were going to buy. And then suddenly just, you were like, Oh my God, I forgot to tell you. And a bunch of new pictures of this new Pendleton coat showed up really exciting. It's Thank just, you so you know, much. It's Amanda, shopping you're from such afar. a supportive colleague podcaster and friend. I think it's great. You're out there. You're finding things that you're excited about. You're creating your own cool person in the world to, you know, it's great. I love it. And I really enjoy the updates. So thank you so much. Thank you all for listening all year long. I hope you like Ben Affleck and Adele because if you don't, (laughs) I don't know why why you're still here. (laughs) Um, this has been a real joy. We will be back in January. And have a happy and yeah, happy holidays. New year. Happy New Year. Be safe. Be safe. Thank you to Erica Cervantes for producing this podcast all year long. Erica, we wish you a happy and healthy holidays and, and safety as well. Absolutely.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.